If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 204. Sun's been here with Cinderin. Thank you to our in Bruges tier. Very quickly getting into it. Okay. <laughs> Including the likes of Namul Oracle Lull. Is this an inside joke that I don't know anything about, Cinderin? Do you know anything about this? Hasn't that name been on there for like two or three weeks? Why do you ask now? I don't remember it actually. The Shaz cast. Suns fan. Yeah, my brain is lagging. Suns fan, <laughs> Sana Scrote. Mr. I love the NBA segment. Long time no NBA talk. At least let's have a World Cup talk. Well, that would be up to Cinderin to actually do because I don't watch soccer. Monkey Same. Man says $700 TI ticket. This is what Suns fan warned us about. Pepper Balls, T Coil, Rupus, Q Ludes welcomes you to the road to the podcast. Stupid co pilot, pilot. D2 Bowie, Lab Dota, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin, Magdev. I've been a Patreon for almost two years with the main purpose of supporting Dota and getting Valve off their asses. Did it work? Disco Farm D and Retail Ronnie and the Deep Deep Discounts. And the Mega Pope. The best bit of Niebling is the IE, 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 TI in New Zealand. What? Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko, Zero One Hamscroats, Shark TM, Antiquely Seasoned Goat Balls, Janie, Dop, Nothing to See Here, Underscore Man, Guitar Strings, Yves Raymond, Ben Broomhead is Ben Broomhead is Ben Broomhead, Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and in the iconic 1984 movie, The Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger has only four, 17 lines of dialogue. Mr. Niebling. Huh. I'll be back. Is that Terminator 2, maybe? He says that 17 times. Oh, the original Terminator. I don't think he says that. It's been a long time, actually. I don't know. Imagine a movie where one of the main characters, every time they're on screen, they just say, I'll be back until the last <laughs> time. That's right. And then they never come back. Yeah. Okay, let's get started. Uh, we have some interesting news, I guess. So what I'm going to do this time mm -hmm. is when I talk about this, I'm going to let you say, we haven't talked about any of this. I'm going to let mm -hmm. you talk about it, and I just want to see how much of it you cover that isn't me reacting, if that makes sense. How much of our moods match. Okay. Okay. You ready, Cinderin? It's a little sure. It's a little game for you. Okay. So there was a ten-year anniversary update, which, if you guys remember, from let me actually look at the actual post. So back when seven point three four came out, there was a little blurb in the post that said, "As we mentioned in June, we've been working on some fun stuff to celebrate the ten-year anniversary of Dota 2's official release." The good news, it's almost ready. The bad news, it's not quite ready today. But keep your party hats on. Sorry, keep your party hats ready and pitchforks at half-mast. We're looking to ship it soon, as in very soon, as in well soon. So just to give you a recap. So the 10-year anniversary update came out, and it's a chest. Should I bother reading this bl uh, blog post? Probably not. Uh, that's up to you. They, they have come out with a chest. A lot of them were old cosmetics, which I'm actually going to show on the screen. So the first one, and it's kind of attributed to each year in Dota 2's history. And of course, uh, since technically Dota 2 came out in 2011, they're still counting those two extra years on top, or yeah, the two extra years on top of the 10. So... 2011, you get the shitty wizard courier, but it's golden version. 
2012, you get a, I think it's actually the full set, but it's basically the Ursa cowboy hat, which yep. was very controversial when it first came out. 2013, you get the original Wraith King sword, which I assume is a little bit different. I don't really know. 2014, you get another courier. This one is uh, a roll of film, I guess. 2015, you get a piece for Earthshaker, which matches the Arcana. I think this is also an. These are all old cosmetics, most of them at least. And this yeah. one, you can you can change the color from orange to turquoise at will. Uh, 2016 is a. What is Monkey King holding? Is that technically a staff? Yeah, it's a staff. Okay, well you get a staff. 2017, you get. A shoulder piece for Invoker, which I don't even remember this one uh, being that popular, but apparently it was. 2018, you get Gaben voice lines, so you can actually spam his voice lines in-game now. 2019, you get the Void Spirit set, which to my recollection is the only Void Spirit set in the entire game. This was out previously, of course. 2020, you get a Roche Ags, so for you and only you, Roche will look like an Aghanim version of himself. Uh, for 2021, you get the Marana anime set, except the outfit that Marana is wearing is a little bit different. It's white instead of whatever the original is. 2022, you get a CRT effect, which I'm just going to say this was put in as a joke because people made a joke that the last one they came out with look like a CRT. This one actually looks like a CRT and I would question anybody that plays with it other than joking around because it's I find it to be literally unusable in terms of being able to see what's going on. And then 2023 you get a seasonal and I forget what other stuff is seasonal, maybe the Roche as well, but you get a tormentor skin. But that's the CRT thing is seasonal. Okay, the CRT it's thing as well. So tormentor yeah. skin that's yellow and not quite a cube. And that's client-side only as well, so only you get to see once you have it equipped. That's the, that's the update. So what are your, what are your thoughts, Cinderman? Uh, well, my initial thought when this came out was that I thought there was going to be some sort of event. Um, so some sort of... I don't know what it would have been exactly, but actually I think the theme they went with for this was a pretty cool idea. Like it's a 10-year anniversary, so you go down memory lane. I feel like something like this, if tied to an event, would have been very well received. And that's what I was kind of hoping for. All right, we're celebrating Dota's been around for, well, at this point, 12 years, but officially 10. Um, this is our event game game kind of thing that you could play similar to, I don't know if it would be like, what playstyle it should be, if it should be Silbreaker-like or Darkmoon-like or whatever PvP, anything. Um, that's what I thought was going to come. And then I think if that was bundled with this, it was cool, but you're left a little bit, like... This feels a little bit empty, and that's not to say that these things aren't nice, because they are, and from what I've heard, many people have actually come back to play Dota specifically because of the free hats and the memories, so obviously it's working. Um... But as you pointed out, multiple of these are just genuinely just reskins, right? Like actually almost all of them, um, if not all, are just a variation of something they already have, which they slapped a little bit of different texture or coloring on or whatever. And it just makes you wonder why did they feel like this wasn't ready to ship? Like, is there something else on the horizon? Is this like an intermediary thing and there's a bigger thing coming? But Given the time frame, this came out about a week ago, and they haven't announced anything more. So I think this is it. Um, secondary concerns is people who um, acquired these at the time. Um, what's the word? Sets that you can no longer acquire. I'm forgetting the word for it. Uh, exclusive. Untradeable. Yeah, because like some of these items at the time were exclusive, right? I think, or like ultra rare or something. I think the Void Spirit set is very rare. Morana uh, was I think tied I, to a battle pass, so it was. Morana was tied to a battle pass. I don't know the bindings of Deep Magma, whatever. So, 
I mean, I'm of the opinion that nothing in this game should be uh, exclusive. I feel like everybody should be able to obtain every item. And this whole fear of missing out system that battle passes have been using has been exploitative. Um, I would love if everybody could just obtain everything. So I'm not against the idea that these items come out in some sort of fashion that people can obtain. But for the people that did get them at the time, this is probably also a little bit of salt in the wound, right? It's like, okay, I actually spent a lot of money to obtain the set, and now well, two years later I get it for free. Uh, or one year later or whatever. Um, the Marana Persona is probably the most egregious example of this. Um, but also the Ultra Void Spirit from... I mean, it's 2019. You had it for years. I guess that's the counter-argument, right? All right, you got it exclusively for multiple years, so... Uh, I think the bigger question is this kind of draws into question the future of items and the... I, I don't know what Valve are going to do with cosmetics in general in this game because they're not making battle passes anymore, so I don't know if there's still going to be chests, but people are going to be like, well, if things come out for free... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overthinking this a bit too much, but... Yeah. I also think... So... Given that this was a celebration of the history, I think doing a nod to the past makes a lot of sense, like they have done, but I feel like you could have done that and then still made things more new, you know what I mean? Instead of just like just primarily reskins, so yeah, I mean, that's my two cents. I think that's... Yeah, and that's a short version. Usually, usually I get all up in arms about. Stuff. I'm actually getting so tired of talking about shit like. <laughs> I'm actually drained, and I'm wondering if our viewers leave your comments on the YouTube. You guys are drained as well about mostly me shitting on Valve for stuff that they do. Like, I think for this, it's like why announce that you're doing a 10 year anniversary then and you come out with it? like surely you're not that delusional that you know that this is not going to be that well received but having said that i'm going to say this i think that you and i and the people that were upset about this are actually in the vast minority and i'm going to give you an example hmm. um well people just like free shit it doesn't matter if it's reskins a lot of people don't have these items it doesn't matter that mm -hmm. people's ursa hats all plummeted in price and all that stuff um Last year, TI, people were really upset during, I think it was the group stage, because PGL was kind of dropping the ball on production. Uh, generally, there were a lot of upset posts constant. And then Valve gave away an Arcana to everybody in the game. And what did that do? Like, from my standpoint, it's okay. Very obviously, this is a Band-Aid. This is almost like, I'm, a, I'm sorry for what's happening, but I'm not going to say I'm sorry. But here's an Arcana. Like, and people ate it up, right? They, the player count went up. People were happy over an Arcana. And, you know, it is what it is. And this is kind of the same situation. Uh, I mean, yeah, this, this chest would be good if it was tied to something. The 10, it feels like the 10 year anniversary is not something that they planned for. And then they realized it once the actual 10 year anniversary hit. And they're like, okay, how can we come out with something now that we've kind of, taken our foot off the gas and mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. And this is just reskins for the most part. Uh, and by the way, the games, I don't know if you've played much. My God. <laughs> when they come out with something that's free cosmetic, the games are so atrocious. It's more than 50% of the games are beyond awful, whether it's a win or a loss. Like just there's somebody or two people or multiple people in the game that should not be in the game because the algorithm doesn't know how to place them because they haven't played in mm -hmm. so long. Like, it's yeah. just effectively griefing, right? Uh, but anyway, that's a side topic. Um, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't matter what we say. I I'm disappointed in the update. I know that people... So this is the thing. This is the 10-year anniversary update, and then the TI-themed update, which will not be a battle pass, but it'll be... We don't know what it's going to be. That's going to be in September. That was announced a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So these are totally separate. So I don't think there's going to be anything else attached to this. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anything else, Cinderin? 
Um, no, I think that's it. For okay. This. Very good. Very good. Yeah. All right. Next thing to talk about. I mean, you you know, actually, we can we can uh, we can talk a little bit more about this. What would you have hoped for? So obviously, if you're disappointed, you're expecting something else. Was it just the same as me that you thought there was going to be some sort of custom game they made celebrating the anniversary that either there was or wasn't a chest tied to? Um, or did you th have something else in mind that they could have done? Uh, ten year anniversary update. Off the top of my head, uh, a chest, which they did. That's, I think, mm -hmm. well, not, not a chest of old items, but new items. New maybe. stuff, yeah. Um, like new stuff because there's a lot of sets and I know because we have some sets in the in the workshop like our tiny Mayan tiny, tiny set that never got in that are the most upvoted of all time like I think that set is top three most voted of all time if I'm not mistaken never got in the game announcer packs how often do we get those uh, so stuff like that uh, in addition I think an SFM video maybe they didn't do an SFM video because Slacks <laughs> did one for Riyadh Masters which was like S tier, so maybe mm -hmm. they can't compete. I, I don't know. It's just weird that somebody else is doing that video, don't you think? Um, maybe an announcement for Neon Prime. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That would have been <laughs> funny though. Uh, I think the event. I'm. I'm. That's not what I'm upset about. I mean, I'm not even upset. I. I don't even care anymore. That's the sad part. Like, there's so so much apathy inside me now. Like, I, I have low expectations to begin with. Now they've just gotten lower. But like the event, I expected that to be with TI potentially. But mm -hmm. if it's not, then yeah, it should have been with this. But yeah, I think we're all expecting an event in this next coming month. Uh, but I mean, what have they done in the past? I don't think we've celebrated a Dota anniversary ever. No, just for any quote unquote event. It's not always a custom game, um, right? I'm actually trying to remember. Is it just custom They've games? done custom games. They've done chests. They've done seasonal implementations in regular Dota, like throwables and stuff like that. Um, what else? I mean, it's also limited what you can do, right, with Dota. So I'm not going to be like, they need to invent something crazy or whatever. It's just when you announce a 10-year anniversary, like if you think about, okay, what's a 10-year anniversary in real life about anything, right? It's like you're celebrating some sort of relationship or some sort of work accomplishment or whatever it is. It's like you, you make it something special and you put an extra effort, right? That's yeah, what, what I think been... when I think about an anniversary is extra effort. And this is, doesn't feel like more effort than any other event they've done, right? I think that's the biggest thing is that this is quote unquote just another one but the difference is it's free shit uh, so but that, there's no I mean, just, it's definitely lower effort than that, other that begs the question done. why even announce like if they literally didn't come out with anything or said anything there would be nobody mad about it you know what i mean like why did they even announce that this is going to be something people are oh, at the at the end of the day like you just mentioned and like we talked about i i think you and I are the minority. So if this is something that a lot of people are excited about and are enjoying or whatever, I mean, who are we to sit here and say this isn't good enough? If a lot of people come back and play Dota for this reason and it brings traffic to the game and people go and have fun and play with their friends, that's obviously an awesome outcome. I'm just surprised. But, I mean, it, we have different like expectations or levels of what we think this game should have or what we think is cool. And, like, who's to say one is better than the other, right? Like, we would have liked to see more different stuff, but... It, like, you know, okay, let's flip it on the head. Why put in shitloads of effort to make a new custom game that might just flop because they're very hit or miss? I thought you were going to say because they killed custom people. game. <laughs> 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 That's the 10-year anniversary update. True. I forgot about that. Yeah. You know um, what would have been fun? And I, I'm not saying this would have been the only thing, but... Remember when there was, I forget what it was, was it attached to the Battle Pass where they had challenges for the entire Dota community, like cut down this many trees or something right. like that? Yeah, that, that was, stuff was uh, fun. People loved that shit. And that is so, that a so, so easy to do. Like incredibly easy to do. Uh, I mean, stuff that brings people together, and I guess maybe cosmetics do, but I don't know. The pubs have been atrocious. <laughs> like, my God. Yeah. 
That can't just it's be just, me, I'm, truly. I'm just hearing multiple stories now from different people saying, I haven't played Dota for X weeks, months, whatever, and this made me come back and play to win at least 13 games. Mm-hmm. So, like... Well, they should do this every month, then. In reality, there's nothing more successful in a celebration than people showing up, right? Like, that's, that's what you want in your celebration. You want people to show up and have a good time. And not everybody is necessarily going to show up. Not everybody's going to have a good time. But as far as metrics go, from Valve's perspective, I think this was a resounding success. That's the sad so, part. That's, that's what's so worrying about it. I mean, th- but the thing is, it's sad from the perspective that we have an idea of what's good. But at the end of the day, if a lot of people show up and play the game, shouldn't we be happy, actually? No, it's, it's not about something being good or bad. It's about mm-hmm. the amount of effort that's being put in. And yeah, but why put in a lot of effort if people don't show up for that when they show up for this? What do you mean? They've shown it's up like, why would, you th- why would you put in a shitload of effort to make an amazing celebration like if people on the guest list don't show up because they can't find the place? What is, that, what is that supposed to mean, though? If they came out... Okay, let's say they came out with Ag's Labyrinth. People aren't showing up for that? There's going to be more people show up for oh, that they than would. I mean, look... My point here is, if there is a direct relation between how much effort you put in and how much people appreciate it, then I would want them to put in as much effort as possible. But that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. You've had maybe the single piece of content Valve that took the most effort was Siltbreaker, and that was very polarizing. Um, I thought it was fucking amazing. A huge amount of people thought it was frustrating, didn't want to play it. That took them a lot of hours to make. Uh, and I don't know how much the player count went up for something like that. I think Ag's Labyrinth is the perfect example of a really successful one, but that also was a lot of effort, and it's a bit hit or miss. Like, sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. So, risk-reward, you look at it from Valve's perspective, you know, could put in hundreds or thousands of man-hours, however much it takes to make a map like that, or you could do this, which takes a tenth that, on average, a lot of people will be happy about. Um... I mean, you ask me, I would love both. I would love to have had a custom event and this. Uh, and I, I, once again, I'm not defending them. I said I, th- I really think they should have done more. But you you got to look at the perspective that we... So, for example, I think a lot of the people that came back and played because of this chest would not have come back and played if they re- re-released Aghanim's Labyrinth or if they made a new custom game. So... I mean, they obviously have the metrics. They know what people's tendencies are, what they play for, and I mean, hats are they, a huge drive. Yeah, they so. learned from the Arcanas last year. I think if they could, what, why can't they just come out with a chest every month that's exactly like this that mm. increases their player base, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's like diminishing returns if it needs to what be staggered be cool a bit so it doesn't an, become instead of something like this. Is let's say you get X amount of wins and then you get to pick what hero you get a set for because then everybody gets something that they Mm -hmm. would theoretically potentially want yeah but the downside with that is if you let people pick they'll play fewer games because then they get the shit they want and then don't play oh then you require x amount more wins to get the choice yeah i I guess you could do that i mean mean, anyway who cares i i I don't know why we're talking about this That's the that's the sad. No, I mean, I find this kind of stuff really interesting to talk about because this is something I've come to the realization about in other, th- especially in Dota, obviously, because that's where I put my my life, right? But if you put a shitload of time into something and then you see other people who put way less time into it and you see how they experience it, it you kind of get grounded a little bit. You're like, holy shit, that's true, you know? Most mm. people who play this game play casually once in a while, have a bit of fun with it. And they like other things than I do, and they find other things funny in this game than I do. Their like threshold for what's a good game is completely different. And I actually had a recent experience. I started playing this recent league in Path of Exile, and my friends have played the game way more than I have. And I just got completely overwhelmed, and some things were a big deal for me, and they for them it was trivial. Um, so like when you get on that other side of this kind of equation or whatever, where other people are in a different level to you in a game or in their enjoyment of it, it you, you start seeing things a little bit from a different perspective, right? It's just the games that we talk about, we've spent tens, thousands of hours on, right? You mainly talk about this and about CSGO or Counter-Strike. There's also so. an underlying tone. I don't know if that's even the right way to put it. There's stuff that I guess we know because we've been in the scene for so long. That mm-hmm. We're seeing a trend of the game going 
in a way that we're not super happy with uh, yeah. and less work being applied to. It. And this is just another example that's like icing on the cake kind of thing. Whereas there's people true. that have literally no idea who Ice Frog is, right? That play the game, that just play for cosmetics, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know who Artesia is. I know some of these people actually. So, yeah. And they are probably the majority. I mean, minority of players watch com the competitive scene. Yeah. If I were to guess, most Dota players don't, can't like name five to 10 people in the pro scene. That would be oh, for sure. my guess, including, including casters and all of it. Like, just be like name five to 10 prominent Dota people. And I'd be like, I don't know. I just log in and play some Dota. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that's also how I play other games. Some of them, like yeah. I couldn't, I can name like maybe one streamer in some of the games that I've enjoyed and no pros. So, you know, similar, just, uh, yeah, we're just I, in the 0.01% of for, for that minority of people that were upset, like me. Well, I don't even know if I was upset. Mm -hmm. It was just, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, we also is... don't know what the distribution is, right? There might be a lot of people that are disappointed in this. Uh, whatever, I'm sure there is, but yeah, whatever the amount of people that were upset or annoyed by this would have been avoided by just not saying that you're coming out with a 10-year anniversary. If you just came out of this with no, out of nowhere, nobody would have been upset. Would you agree with that? Just, oh, we get a free set or a free chest. Sure. Yeah. That's cool. I think so. Whatever. And people would have, and the same people would have been excited, right? It's just this continual, like, tone-deaf attitude. It's so weird. It's like, it's you can when you announce and hype up an anniversary. Yeah. You're expecting an event. It's like you're hyping up, oh, we've been together for 10 years. We have this, we're going to have, a, or th this is our, yeah, we're celebrating. We've, this is our 10 year wedding anniversary. And then you do, go to McDonald's. Just, yeah, you don't, just don't make anything special out of it. It's just like, what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, it's like weird. It's supposed to be like a big anniversary. And yeah, you go to McDonald's and, you know, I, I enjoy thing. myself at McDonald's. I'm not upset about it, but you should not hyped it up then. I'd rather go to Olive Garden, much more fancy, of course. <laughs> anyway, so that's the 10 year okay. anniversary, quote unquote, update. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Let's talk about the next thing on the list, which is TI ticket sales. Yeah, this is a, an interesting one. Uh, let's see, how much of this? So there's a lot of FAQ. Uh, okay. I can go over the TLDR if you want. Uh, the, is it not worth reading the first couple paragraphs? Okay, sure. No, I mean, maybe it's not. I don't know. It's been a week uh, I mean, since some I've read of, this. So. A lot of it is just a recap of when the stages take place, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, and then where the stages take place, and that's essentially it. So, yeah, so if the, you guys remember, the group stage is offline, so through hotels or whatever, which is normal. The, what are they calling the, before the internet, it's just called the playoffs, The maybe? playoffs, the yeah. The playoffs, which is not the whole thing, but the, whatever they're calling the playoffs, is in front of a crowd at, what venue? The convention center, the Seattle Convention Center. Yeah. And then the last eight teams play at the Climate Pledge Arena, which is the old key arena. Uh, yep. So ticket sales will go on sale October 25th at 10 a.m., which is tomorrow. Tickets will be sold as a three-day pass for the full event priced at $700 plus fees per pass. Attendees who bind their Steam account to their pass will be granted one Treasure of the Crimson Witness and will continue to have chances to win more throughout the event. So that's for the final, $700. For mm -hmm. the road to the international, a.k.a. the playoffs at the convention center, 
Tickets will go on sale on the 28th, and they'll be sold as individual tickets for each of the three days priced at $100 plus fees. I think that's it, right? So, okay, so I can yeah yeah. Go ahead. So first of all, first of all, let's talk about whether these prices are reasonable because there's been a lot of community outrage about the, especially the final stage, right? But let's start with the playoffs. So the playoffs, uh, it's individual tickets for each each day. So it's a hundred bucks to go and watch the playoffs in the convention center, and if you want to watch all three days, it's three hundred bucks. That is the same price roughly maybe even a bit higher than watching the final couple days in 2017 i think okay um obviously there's inflation so we can add a little bit to but at that point it probably checks out to about the same with inflation this is about the same as watching finals in 2017 um i know everything in the world is getting more expensive but this these day passes for what is essentially not the main attraction a hundred dollars a pop for a day is pretty high when you consider what you pay. I mean, I don't know how it is like in the US. If you go to a concert that takes place in that size of venue and with that size of or amount of effort or grandiose or whatever, mm. I don't know if that's a... Is that comparable? Probably. Maybe a little I bit cheaper. I don't go to that many concerts. I went to System of a Down concert a couple years ago mm -hmm. at the Suns Arena. And the seats we had were... Uh, they weren't bad, but they weren't amazing. They're like somewhere in between. Uh, actually, no, they're better than average. They're probably pretty decent. Mm -hmm. uh, about maybe 180 to 200 each. Okay. So, like, with that reasoning, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to draw a parallel between this and a System of a Down concert. I don't know if they're, like, quote-unquote, same value. Uh, this is obviously our event, but it's not... It's not the main event that's worth keeping in mind, right? This is a, a, an intermediary stage of the tournament that does not crown a champion, that does not have the best teams in all of the games. So it's... Um, I don't know. Would you say this seems unreasonable? I think, all things considered, this is probably pretty fine, given... I think it's astronomically unreasonable. <laughs> you think it's very expensive. I, wait, which one? Sorry. Were we talking about the, the $700? The 99 bucks a day in the convention oh. center uh it's a little expensive i don't i don't think it's egregious it's a little bit on the expensive side i would agree actually thinking about it it's a little on the expensive side because are you really gonna go for just one day and are you i mean really maybe some go people do. for that portion of the tournament and not the other yeah and just for one day so probably most people that go to this will go for more than one day i mean maybe Again, who the who knows? Like we we're just guessing here based on what our tendencies would be and what we think people do. But maybe a lot of people just buy a one day ticket and they just want to visit the international, be in Seattle, have a good day or a good weekend, and then go home. And with that, and ninety nine dollars for a day of entertainment of watching Pro Dota on a on a on the big stage and seeing the players is well not unreasonable. We, we should mention it, Ticketmaster has had a lot of issues in the past with ridiculous fees. So they are like enemy number one for all ticket sale related shit. So I don't know what that actually means for these tickets, but mm -hmm. I'm just throwing out that the fees might not just be like $5 or something. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think the convention center is a little pricey, but it's I, I don't look at it and I'm like, holy shit, because you can choose to go for one day. I mean, again, I don't, mm -hmm. That's the thing. I think the people that will not be going... This is, again, the problem. Well, let's talk about the other one first. $700. What do you think about that price? Yeah, so the three-day pass for the full event, just to recap, this is the final stage, and it's an all-or-nothing. You cannot buy for just one day. You're mm -hmm. buying the entire three days for $700 plus fees. So I don't know what ticket fees are on Ticketmaster. This probably checks out to something like $750 or something, because I think their fees are stupidly astronomical from what i've heard or maybe it's even more than 750 maybe it's close to 800 because they take a really high fee so let's just say 750 to 800 uh and the other ones for 100 a day were probably like 120 maybe it's worth adding on top it's part of the equation sure so what do you get here you get to be a part of the final stage of the tournament in the biggest arena which is obviously more expensive uh and you get a crimson treasure guaranteed and i think this is important to keep in mind when looking at the pricing because here's what happened in past years 
Some of these Crimson Witnesses chests have been so valuable because of their scarcity that they've actually paid for your entire event. So if you're a fan <clears throat> that went to, say, TI in 2018, 2019 or whatever, and you got a Crimson Witness chest drop, <clears throat> you could sell it and get back the price of your ticket. Which essentially means that as someone in the audience, you're hoping for a random drop. And if you get it, you had fun for free. And if you don't, it was pretty expensive to go and see Dota. Uh, I think Valve tried to avoid that being the case with this, where they give everyone one item. So it's kind of part of the price of the ticket now is the guaranteed Crimson Witness chest. That justifies an increase in price. Now we can talk about whether that's this much, but... Well, it's if, hard for me to gauge now because if everyone in the audience gets one, yeah. how valuable are they then, right? Because yeah. this is like an equilibrium or an equation thing where, oh, the reason they were expensive the last year was that they were kind of a scarcity. Some, a lot of people went and watched TI got zero. Some people went and watched TI got six. Some people got two. Some got three. Um, I, I think, do you remember last year's Crimson Witnesses? Because we got some of them, uh, not as a gift or whatever, just with the as, to my knowledge, with the same terms as viewers of the tournament. Um, we had a couple of drops, and I, I want to say the average Crimson Witness chest for that batch was like $150, $200 maybe? Maybe a bit more? Between we, 100 and 200 depending on the hero, I would say. Yeah, and, and I think there was one, one of the really attractive ones were like three to 400 right? Like the weapon for whatever it was or something. But let's just say they average out to 150 or 200 right? Then that is inherently part of the value of your ticket in terms of like expected value, if you will, to use a poker term. It's like there's a chance that you get something that has value, but there's also a chance you get nothing. Now, I don't know how many Crimson Witness items were printed last year based on the size of the audience and the size of the event. Um, but... I don't think it's unreasonable to say it probably averaged out to more than one per person. Would you agree with that? Based on just our anecdotal evidence from talent, right? Like, uh, usually every talent gets... Like, sometimes several. one or two people get none. Several, though. But multiple had, people get more than... Multiple like, people get uh, more than one as well, Five or right? six last time, and I sold them you all got a lot. to get a Steam Deck. Yeah. Which I've used so, twice. Like, we don't know the numbers, but let's say it's more than one on average. So that means the amount of these that got printed was definitely more, or let's say it was more than one per person. So now you go to TI this year, and there's a guaranteed one per person. If there was only one per person and no more were printed, I would be able to give you a pretty good assessment of the price for that reason, because then they would be worth the same as the last year, right? In terms of, like, scarcity. So then it would be, let's say that's $200 or something. Now, with everyone getting a guaranteed one and drops, maybe they'll be worth half as much. So, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but I think from Valve's perspective, this is definitely something they've kept in mind when they priced this ticket, because the guaranteed treasure holds value. And based on market value, they will justify this and be like, this giving everyone a guaranteed treasure allows us to bump up the price of the ticket by $150 or $200. I genuinely think that's how they're thinking. Because they have, the they have the data. They're like, this is what Crimson Witnesses sold for last year. So this is a really good way for Valve to effectively just make the tickets more expensive and make money because they're making these Crimson Witness chests anyway and they're not making a battle pass. So they're assuming that people who want to spend money on TI have more spending money this year because they don't buy a battle pass. So now they can instead put that money into, okay, well, I'm not buying a battle pass. Usually every year I spend $200, $300, whatever. Like a lot of, I'm not speaking for myself, just people in general. A lot of people will spend a couple hundred bucks on the battle pass. I'm like, okay, I'll spend that on TI, get a Crimson Witness, checks out. So from their perspective and, you know, customer spending, this is probably, probably checks out. Now, do I think on a surface level that $700 for this event is fair? I think this is extremely expensive. Uh, and I think most people that see these prices will, first of all, not think about the value of the Crimson Witness, and they might not want to interact with this part of the game at all. They might not want to go on the market and sell their Crimson Witness right, chest. Because that's they not, might not consider this valuable. This is not the average person thing to do, right? Like, like so, it's almost... So when you're selling these Crimson Witnesses, you get, let's say, $100 back. That's Steam dollars. Yes. You can only... I mean, I guess there's technically You would need to sites. want to use the money on Steam. There's technically sketchy sites that you can use to actually get real money out of it, but effectively, yeah, you're using it on Steam-related yeah. stuff. So, so for simplicity, let's say you can't do that. 
that yeah. means Valve also keeps this money inside their economy because then people go and use that money that they made from the Crimson Witness on the market and Valve gets a cut. So essentially, you know, you're just making money off of money. Right. Let me, so, let me ask you something. So mm -hmm. I think that TI is going to sell out. Mm -hmm. And I guess even if it didn't, we wouldn't really know if it sold out in a way. Right. Like, because there's ways you can manipulate like the actual ticket sales, whether because. I mean, there's no way it's not going to sell. But anyway, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is you can you can move the stage to make it look full regardless, right? And say, oh, it's sold out, and we this was the only amount of only the, the amount of seats that we gave is this amount, right? We've, mm -hmm. Many events have done that in the past, but let's pretend that's not even the issue because I think it will sell out regardless. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the it's a U.S. mentality, right? All about money. If people are willing to spend this amount. Does that justify the amount that it's right. being sold for? And I think you can argue back and forth. My the way that I would look at it is is TI supposed to make them money in the past it has? There's no battle pass anymore, and this will make up for it. Or at least be a part of what makes up for it in addition to whatever the hell they're doing. What's the capacity the of the crowd in replacement battle pass? Well, the I'm old key arena is arena. probably around 18K because that's a regular NBA stadium. Yeah, 18,300 capacity. Let's say they sell out. I don't know if it's changed since they've redone it. but That is $12.8 million in tickets. Well, okay. If it sells out. To be fair, like these stadiums that have that much capacity are never going to open up that many seats to begin with because it's not mm -hmm. a viewable, so it's a less. Good viewable experience. So I would say, let's say 60% capacity of that is maybe... Okay feasible so i don't know it i have strong feelings about this i don't think you should be charging this much money for an event like mm -hmm. this but especially for a company that's making so much money anyway but i don't know how their structure works with like how much the employees get for the battle pass in the past and now they're missing out on that entirely but the we now know that there's not nearly as many employees to begin with so mm -hmm. whatever money they make off of whatever the replacement for the battle pass is they should be you know, if there's six people working on Dota when there was 20 before, then mm -hmm. as long as they're making like $5 million, it's, they're still making the same amount as last time, right? So Right, per, per person working on that. Right, yeah. so like, I, um, I, I just find it hard to justify such a ridiculous price of $700. Like, I have a bunch of friends that wanted to go to mm -hmm. TI. The, it's the first time it's been in the U.S. for a long time. And I'm just going to tell them, don't bother, like, First of all, it's hard to get tickets to begin with, so that's a big if to begin, like, just from the outright, but $700 is egregious. Like, I'm not going to tell somebody yeah. that I know to spend $700 I, on this. So clearly, let's talk about the alternative. The alternative is to not do Crimson Witness and make the ticket, like, $4.99. And that's still expensive, but then it's like, okay, you know? Because it's like, all right, it's TI, it's three days... Essentially, if it's 400 bucks each day costs roughly the same as in the convention center at that point, mm. um, there would be like 133 bucks per day to go and watch the final stage. And I think what's worth keeping in mind again here is not just like the pricing of this, but the history of the pricing of this, right? This is such a huge step up from last time we were in Seattle in terms of price. I think the, the final stage pass in 2017, which is the last time we were in Seattle. In 2018, we were in Vancouver. And then we've been in other countries and other regions. So then the pricing will be very different. But in Seattle, I think the final stage in 2017 was somewhere between $200 and $300. So this is essentially more than twice as expensive. And Crimson Witness was also a thing back then, right? 2017? I think it was. They dropped in Seattle as well. So, so how do you justify it? Like, what's the added value? Why are people playing essentially twice as much after uh after inflation like i is there is there going to be some sort of grandiose show with a huge concert is there some other changes or is it literally just we think people will pay this much so we're going to up the price because it's going to sell out anyway and then we're back to what you talked about is that a reasonable way of pricing things is it literally just how much money are people willing to pay the only i'm trying to really think of positives here the only positive that i can drag out of this is maybe this will combat scalpers because the risk is too high. I don't know if scalpers people are willing... Scalpers will always be a thing, I think. It, it will, but are scalpers willing to buy, to try to harvest a lot of these tickets and try to sell them for $1,000 each, and will they sell? 
Because if you bought the tickets for like 200 bucks and you sold them for 400, they were getting sold, you know? But are we reaching a point now where if you're an experienced scalper, you're like, okay, do I stay away from this one because the risk reward is a bit too lopsided or does it not fucking matter because it's exclusive? That's really stretching it there. I, I, don't worry about the scalpers. <laughs> they'll be fine, Cinder, and they'll find a way. No, but the, <laughs> reason, the reason I think about I'm not fucking thinking about the scalpers. I'm, I'm thinking about... This has always been a problem with TI. It's a, it's a topic every year. People are like, the tickets sell out instantly, and then I go and can find them on eBay at a 25% markup immediately after, or 50 or 100%, you know? It's like, is, is this going to at least be a positive of this? Um, I don't know. I'm going to say so, no, definitely not. Okay, so let's just assume that it isn't going to help at all. Um, I would say this is too expensive as well. Uh, I don't know how much too expensive it is. I think if this was priced at like, you could probably argue for like 400 499 that would still be more expensive than in the past, but you have the guaranteed treasure. Um, and whether or not you assign a lot of value to that treasure is a different thing, but essentially it does hold value. So it's like, it's like buying an all-inclusive holiday and then not eating one or two of the buffets and then complaining it was that one or two buffet more expensive. Well, you, you had the option and you didn't go. You paid for the option, right? And this is like you're paying for the option to interact with the Crimson Witness. If you're not going to do it, that's on you. So that one has value. So I think so it's definitely actually, too expensive. But let's, <clears throat> let's do some quick uh, napkin math, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's say somebody wants to go to the final three days. Mm-hmm. How much will it cost? So let's say 700 plus 100 in fees and taxes. Let's say that. So let's, let's say just it's say 800. it's 800. Yeah. Uh, let's say they're not from Seattle because let's remember that the one of the smallest regions, if not the smallest player base, not including like the Middle East, which even then actually, I don't know, is NA. Very mm -hmm. small player base. So most people will be coming out of country or out of state at the very least. Uh, what's a plane ticket? This is where well, the range is enormous. Uh, yeah, so at that point, if you're already thinking from the perspective of those people going, I don't think the $200 is that big of a... Is that a big deal breaker at that point? Because what's, hotels and wait, flights and food... What's 200 uh, I was saying, like, if the ticket was 499 instead of 699 right? Oh. Like, if you're traveling from abroad by flight, you're getting a hotel and you're getting, a, like, food and drinks and all this stuff, this, like, the relative pricing of this relative to everything else you're doing is i don't know if that's the i'm not sure where you're going with this but i just feel like the perspective of these tickets should not be is this too expensive for people going from abroad because i think if you're already doing that then no, there's no you're point already in doing math for now. anybody that's local <laughs> there's nobody local oh you could be from the, somewhere else in the u.s for example i think a okay. majority of the audience for me, of TI is, yeah eight hundred dollars for this Plane ticket mm -hmm. from Arizona to Seattle, let's say three hundred dollars. Is that that's pretty cheap, maybe? Let's say three hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's three hundred. What's the shittiest hotel you can get? Is it like a hundred <laughs> a night or something? In Seattle, I don't know. Seattle's pretty expensive. Let's say one fifty a night. That's four I mean, nights, that's... right? Day before okay. and then three days, so that's what six hundred. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, plus some that. taxes for both, which we forgot. So probably, let's just say, hundred extra in taxes, and that's all you're doing. You're not eating anything. That's eighteen hundred dollars, right? And then food and yeah. you know bail so, money for when you get arrested for. Let's say ballpark. You're from America and you go to this event. We're talking two to two thousand five hundred dollars, right? Sure. For this final stage, um, that is expensive. It's also a three-day vacation you're traveling for. And again, mm -hmm. for me, the, the, the discussion here shouldn't really be about how expensive is this as a total package. It should be, is it reasonable that the ticket is this expensive? Because when you're already traveling and you're already yada, 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 then your primary expenses in relation to going anywhere will usually be the travel costs and the hotel. That just usually trumps the cost of any event you attend. Um, and yeah. obviously, I'm not uh... saying that $200 in that case doesn't matter. I'm just saying, if you're at a point where you're traveling and getting a hotel for two grand combined, I don't know if an increase on ticket price of $200 is what's going to break your bank, and then you're not going to go. If you're already in that range for how much you are willing to pay to go to TI. Um, 
maybe that's naive and maybe that's an incorrect way of thinking. And this is a deal breaker for people that wanted to go from Europe, for example. They're like, okay, this increase in ticket price from 250 bucks, I can't afford it. That's that's completely fine, obviously. Like if that's if that is the difference, but I think if you're flying from the from Europe to the US, the ticket of that, I don't know how expensive that is. That's definitely over a thousand bucks on a return flight. Uh and you have the same hotel and accommodation cost as the American does. So I think for a European going to this event, it's like three grand. Why did nobody least. tell me the chest image was still up? <laughs> it's been there the entire time. Anyway, <laughs> just as a reminder. Okay. So yeah, um, TI is expensive. That's the TLDR. Yes. And I think, obviously, Valve had the choice here of making this ticket 400 or 499 and not giving a guaranteed Crimson Witness chest. That would have made them less money, and it would have put less money in the Steam ecosystem, because this is effectively them just printing value. Um, so I, I think I get what they're doing here, and I get what they're trying to do, and they're trying to make it fair for people attending that everyone gets at least one treasure. But I don't think the majority of the audience is going to appreciate this and put it at the price point that Valve have for how much it's actually worth. Uh, and they would have way rather had a cheaper ticket. So there's also people going to TI that don't play Dota and don't even interact with Dota, you know, like friends and family who just want to go and see and hang out with each other and make a holiday out of it that don't care about their Crimson Witness. Yeah. So then they're effectively time, just going to waste time to get a Steam account. So yeah, trade yeah, it up. There you go. I mean, yeah, I, I personally, I see what they're trying to do. I don't like it. I think this ticket should have been cheaper and there shouldn't have been a guaranteed Crimson Witness. Done deal. Make it easier. Make it accessible for more people. Uh, and then the people that do interact with Crimson Witnesses, if they get luck and get a drop, good for them, like previous years. Mm. I just, I don't think the average person is going to get the expected value out of this that Valve assessed, uh, assigned to it, right? That's mm. the biggest problem here is that people see the ticket price, they're like, fuck, this is way too expensive, I'm not going to go. And the yeah, people that it, go anyway, a subset of them don't use the value. You so. mentioned it at the beginning to wrap this up, uh, the whole Crimson Witness thing where everyone's getting one does that devalue mm. it yeah uh, they don't that's mention a big question mark we don't know what it's worth right they also don't mention if the odds have changed or anything relating it's well, mm -hmm. it, the one thing they do say is that it's still first blood so that has not changed but have the odds changed then to make up for everybody getting one for free uh i mean just a lot of questions yeah marks. that's a that's a big question and the fact that they don't disclose that makes it really hard to gauge how f the, the level of fairness of this right of the pricing. It makes it untransparent because Crimson Witnesses were never transparent to begin with. You didn't know what the drop rates were. You didn't know what their value was because it's always market assigned. It's the population that decide what they're worth because of how cool they are, because of how rare they are. Um, but with this system, who knows? Like maybe they're going to be half value. And then this price increase is way more egregious. Like if the Crimson Witness chests are going to be worth 25 bucks or 50 bucks instead of 200, this price of the chest is now in expected value. Even that included is astronomical suddenly so like who knows yeah uh i think we're on the same page here the crimson witness guarantee should not be there and the ticket should be cheaper right that's yep. just the i i think so i think both tickets should be cheaper i mean that's the other thing yeah. about the convention center the, typically those days will not sell out like we have no idea what the capacity mm -hmm. is do you think there's going to be anybody that looks at the price of the three-day finals and like just can't do it so they go to the convention center one instead like is that actually a thing will it trickle down as a result aka will we see more people than we usually do during this stage of ti and the other That's a good aspect question. of it that we is impossible to tell and maybe this isn't a factor at all because you won't know until like a day before maybe which teams you will be seeing in the playoffs that will not be at the actual international, as they're calling it, right? Eight yeah. teams. How many teams are going to TI? Is it 16 or more? Whatever. Eight plus teams will be eliminated before they get to those final three days anyway. A lot of people will show up wearing their whatever jerseys and pretty good chance that their team's already gone, right? Yeah. And that, it's an unfortunate, uh, that's the other thing that kind of sucks about this whole separation of things because I know a lot of people are looking at the benefits, and that's fair that mm -hmm. you have the games on the, the weekends and whatnot. And I think that does help to some degree, but you have to remember most people watching are not from the U.S. So is it being on the weekend really that big of a deal when they have to wake up at 
God knows what time to even watch the games. I, I don't really buy that personally. So the whole weekend thing doesn't translate. I mean, arguably, super well for me. wouldn't you argue it's even more important that it's on the weekend if people do that anyway? I mean, do that during the if week. people are willing to wake up at shit o'clock to watch the games, they have to be on the weekend or they can't even watch oh, them. You can but make, people yeah. will do that. You right? can make that argument as well, but then you're talking about way less games now as well, right? Yeah. So I don't know. That's true. You can go back and forth, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I prefer there to be more games personally, but I understand that that's not a consensus around the community. So anyway, do you have anything else to say about this? No, I think I mean we spent quite a bit of time on it, but I think we covered it. Um, for the most part. I'm just genuinely curious to see the value for the audience. That's my main thing is, okay, you've priced these tickets here. What do people get? Like, what's the experience? What's the experience in the convention center for 100 bucks a day? Because uh, the, the venue that we had in Singapore, I actually think with the venue Valve had there for the, uh, for the second stage or whatever you want to call it, with the venue they had, I think they did a really good job. I just don't think the venue was TI quality. In terms of like, or quality is the wrong word, but like size and atmosphere and everything. That's where something like we've talked about this. Benaroya was like the fucking sweet spot for something like that. It would have been perfect. So let's see what the Seattle Convention Center is. If it's a similar experience to Benaroya, I would say $100 a day is completely reasonable. That's my take. Because that experience was fucking awesome. So who was uh, I talking to? And Climate to? Pledge, we know if the arena is similar. So we kind of know what to expect there. This seems a bit on the pricey end. Uh, especially because of the Crimson Witness thing not being for everyone. So, I think I was talking that's my to, to Lyrical, maybe. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Anyway, I think he looked up the convention center. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, it was built this year or in the last year, and it's super new, super nice. Uh, so, could be really that's good. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah, might be really nice. That's good. But we'll still miss Benaroya because that had a special, uh, special sauce. Benaroya was something. And I, I, I want to say it's not just be, me being nostalgic about earlier Dota. I just felt like that venue was something awesome. So. Oh, even, uh, what was it? The, was it the Boston Major was in a similar venue in Boston, though? That like sounds theater, right. And that yeah. had very similar vibes. It was very memorable. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, last topic of today is the TI qualifiers, which have concluded for two regions. Look at us. One of which is China, where we are both correct. Or Azure. By the way, what? Why does everybody pronounce Azure incorrectly, Cinderin? How do you say it? What do they say? How do you say it? Azure? A lot of people are saying Azure. It really bothers me. (laughs) Really bothers me. It's Azure. I think that's the only pronunciation, if you're an English speaker, that is. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> I don't think there's a... Anyway, that's a slacks thing, probably. Uh, they you, uh, oh, they okay. played extreme gaming in the grand finals, and they won 3-1, to one, which means, of course, that Aster lost, and that was in the lower bracket quarterfinals, so they didn't even get top four. They lost to Team Bright. I didn't, yep. I didn't get to watch any of the Chinese <clears throat> games center, but we did talk about like Sumail and Aster. They... Never felt like they were on the same page. Like they'd have good stretches, but never amazing stretches. It just felt it was like just inconsistent as a team, right? They're very so. up and down, but even they're up. Like when they're at their best, it wasn't really that good. I was personally never impressed by their play. That's why I did not pick them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you picked Azure. It was more of a heart thing. What was your head telling you? Was it? Aster or was My head extreme? was telling me they have a decent shot at this, but they're definitely not the favorites, but I could see them do it, especially given the stakes. I think there's just something about there's certain tournaments and stakes that they have that some players just shine in, right? There are players that do really well under pressure, and the amount of proven players that this Azure team has, right, was... Um, it's similar to a, a couple of years ago when there was the SA qualifier and I chose some of the Brazilian players that had played a TI once or twice before over a team in the region that had been just historically better for the last half year. And it's, it's just a different beast. The stakes and the pressure uh, works better for some players and Azure has them. So it was a lot of it was heart, but I would also say I, I didn't feel like, okay, this is a mega long shot at any point, but I, I didn't think they were the favorites to win. But they did. So. Yep. So we get to see a team that we haven't really gotten to see too much because they weren't, I think they were Div 2 
in the second season of DPC and then Div 1 for season three. They went to the major. So a little bit of them there, but like you said, star studded and a lot of, uh, especially the likes of Somnus and FY, very recognizable. I mean, they're, all their players have recognizable names, but those two in particular, I think a lot of crowd uh, favoritism or whatever. Or favorites. Uh, just, I, I think this is the team from China that the Western scene will cheer for the most. Yeah. So if you want to look at it that way, it's good for the tournament uh, from an audience perspective. But I mean, it's also, you know, just being Western biased at that point. And with that, Going to the west, we have NA, which has finished, and Nouns are going to TI as they beat Bait, which is Dendi's team, 3-0 in the Grand Finals. And the first two games were beyond Mega Stomps, not even remotely close. And this is kind of where we both picked Nouns, right? Yeah. So we're both two for two so far. That's probably the last time we'll Only be Only time that'll happen. <laughs> I think so. Uh, not a big surprise, though. It was nice to see Dendi get far in a qualifier. And, of course, part of me is like, I wish we could see Dendi at TI again. But having said that, Nouns definitely deserve to go. And it's been a long time coming. I feel really bad for Husky, who they kicked right before this, basically. Uh, he competed under, I forget what team it was, but obviously... He's he played for wildcard. Uh, they lost to Bait in the lower semis. But happy to see this for Gunner and Moo and whatnot. So hopefully this will be a good experience for them. Any thoughts? Um, I mean, not particularly surprising, right? I think when I saw that the finals was against Bait, I was actually surprised. I was like, wow, Bait made it that far because they haven't looked that good in NA Div 1. But when I look at the competition here, um, you know, obviously some of the, the big guns from NA Div 1 aren't here. TSM and Shopify are directly in on points. So... Some of Bates' biggest rivals in the region aren't there. So them reaching the finals with that in mind and the new roster, which I think was an upgrade, isn't particularly surprising, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we both felt like... I think in all of the qualifiers, this is where we were most confident in the winner, right? So can't yes. say we're too surprised. I think the really tricky ones are coming up. Western Europe is impossible to predict. Uh, Eastern Europe, that's ongoing right now. Anything can happen there. Um, China, I thought, was also extremely unpredictable, but we got that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, NA was just clearly the most, the most clear-cut one. You knew announced was going to be in the finals unless something ridiculous happened, and then it was a matter of, okay, can the team they face actually do it, and they couldn't. So yeah. that was pretty straightforward. So Quinn, I wasn't actually going to talk about this, but I just remembered it, made a post after this saying congrats to Nouns for beating, what, how did he put it, the cheaters? Basically implying that bait are not from NA, so they should not be participating in the NA region or whatever, which, mm -hmm. as far as we I know, as he was joking, uh, not exactly sure. I think, I didn't even look at the thread. I just didn't even bother clicking on it, but I assume he's kidding for the most part uh, because I think the thing that we've learned over the past however many years that, I guess DPC hasn't been around for that long, but for competitive Dota, the one thing we've learned is Getting players from other regions mm -hmm. is a good thing. It has, I think, only helped in the long term. Yes. And right now, NA is, I don't think this is even an argument anymore. It is the worst region, and it's by a long shot. NA, Dota, yeah, it, it, this, it's such... this qualifier, and I don't want to shit on anybody, but I'm going to, was Nouns versus Div 2. Genuinely. That's what this is equivalent to to other regions mm -hmm. yeah so, pretty much somewhat i mean a couple people, of these are na div one teams but that's because it's na they would not be div one in other regions yeah right? getting people from the outside i think is a good thing as long as they're following whatever rules are put in place mm -hmm. and i think bait have done that so i don't yeah i mean of course I, it's the ti qualifiers if this was against the rules they would have been dq'd by valve there's just there's nothing then you can disagree with the rules or the way that they're being interpreted or whatever but they're doing it legit, or it wouldn't have happened. So, um, but yeah, um, I agree. I mean, NA is such a weird region for me because you have like these couple of contenders that can get big results, and in the history of Dota, have many times, especially Shopify XEG, got a lot of trophies and a lot of podium placements. Lately, they've not been as hot. So you could even argue that even the top of the region is weaker than it used to be because both TSM and Shopify are 
for the most part in recent tournaments finishing middle of the pack at best so it's honestly kind of concerning when the one thing the region has been able to lean on for many years has been like a top echelon of two to three teams that have been able to take titles or finals and they can't do that anymore then you know i think it would be really good for the region if shopify get their shit together and get a top three or win or if TSM do it, or I mean, if Nouns go on some sort of hero run, that would be fucking incredible, obviously. But like, realistically speaking, given the quality of play that we've seen from the region, if any team does it, it's most of the time going to be Shopify, and they just haven't hit it. So, um, yeah, just not it's, the uh, patch, maybe. Maybe I mean, you can be you can be hopeful that over time, like you say, with more international players going and competing in the region, that the average quality will raise. Therefore, the quality of the practice will ra- rise, the quality of the pubs will rise, and then over time, given enough time, NA will be better again. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, the region's just not very attractive for talent. Um, so they play in other regions, and EU is obviously the juggernaut for Western players. But I'm I'm always cheering for the underdog, man. I want NA to do well, uh, not because of any personal bias for the region, but just because I think it's good for the game when the weaker regions do well. So Especially fingers crossed that home, one of these can make some noise. Your home continent is the home of the international. Yeah, when you're hosting it in NA, you would love to see an NA team at least do well because it makes for a really fucking hype crowd as well. That's so. true. Okay. Yeah. I think that does it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, as always. Until next week, Suns Fan and Sinner signing out. Goodbye. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything. Subscribe. But thanks for listening. Yeah.